Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Today, the former Manchester United assistant, Rennie Mullenstein, joined me in studio to look back in his career ahead of the release of his new book, United, Sir Alex and Me. We discussed what it was like working with Sir Alex, the comparison between Ronaldo and Messi, and how he helped bring Robin Van Persie to the club. Rennie Mullenstein, of course, uh, former first-team coach at Manchester United under Sir Alex. He has a new book out entitled United, Sir Alex and Me. And you're all getting in touch, it would seem, this morning. Rennie, when you look at it, Sir Alex, as I mentioned earlier on, 13 Premier League titles, five FA Cups, four League Cups, two Champions Leagues. Okay, who holds the greatest managerial legacy? Ferguson, Wenger, Mourinho, Guardiola, Klopp. Of all of them, who, who, who has it? Sir Alex, for sure. And, and not because I'm biased and because I've worked for him, but you have to take in consideration when Sir Alex came to Manchester United in 1986, he had to really build or almost rebuild the club after the Matt Busby era. So he built that club. It was a complete different environment than it is now. If you look at Pep Guardiola, for instance, he stepped into Manchester City, who you know who were backed financially very, very much, so there was no issue there. So he could straight away bring all the best players that he wanted to bring in. You're going to say, and also, again, the years that they've obviously been at the club. I mean, look at Sir Alex. He's been there for 26 years, and the trophies that he's won, um, you know, can only be one man. Here's the thing, though, and I don't like reminding you. Sir Alex and you came up against Pep Guardiola, two Champions League finals, one in Rome, one at Wembley. And, of course, uh, a certain individual calls Lionel Messi, Sean, on both occasions. Uh, Rennie, sorry to do this to you, but listen to this. It's 2-0. It's Messi. He's scored against an English club now. It's Manchester United at a crucial, crucial time with 20 minutes to go. Messi. Oh, Messi! The overpowered Edwin van der Sar. Out of very little, the little man gets a lot for Barcelona. Now, of course, uh, Pep and Barcelona came out on, on top on both occasions. How mm. did you begin to prepare United to go in against that Barcelona side with Messi so on fire at the time? Yeah, I think Barcelona was a team in the ascendancy at that time in Rome, especially. Um, you always have about 10 days, 10 days to prepare. And I don't think the Barcelona team in Rome was 
as as far as they were in Wembley. I think at Wembley they were really at the peak. I mean, if you look back to those seasons, then you follow, you know, the track record of Barcelona, and 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 that was unbelievable. Because if you look at the stats as well, yeah, they were they were very even sort of in Rome. And if I can remember well, we should have actually gone on top. We should have scored because we started the game really really well. But that was Barcelona and, and, and Pep's Barcelona because you always felt a way to sort of start to retain the ball and just be patient and with the quality of Xavi and Iniesta to find those those players in, in, in these little slots and, and obviously we, we conceded you know, we conceded goals at a bad time and, and goals changed games and uh uh, you know, and forever what happened obviously Messi's with with, with a, you know, with a heather. That was even even really unreal, but yeah. So that, there were two different games. I thought, you know, within the Barcelona game at Wembley, I thought again we started really well. We knew it was going to be a difficult game. We prepared the players into sort of three scenarios. What are we going to do? How are we going to set up when they have a goal kick? You know, we're going to drop off. We're going to press high. What are we going to do when the ball is an open play? What areas do we want them to have the ball, etc. And, and and again, but against world class. Uh, Jim and Messi is definitely world class. You can't prepare. You can't prepare against world class, no matter what you do. Because how, how long did that game plan last? Well, it lasted in, in in principle. It lasted, you know, all the way up to the half time because Rooney scored the equaliser, which was great because we knew exactly what sort of things. And we also knew that Barcelona had a tendency to to come out in the second half to really grab opponents by the throat in the first fifteen minutes. You really had to be right on the ball because that's where they want to really you know stack the dagger in and and that is what it did did against us as well you know we again we conceded an early second goal that was 2-1 so again you you just crumbling uphill because mm. we really thought if we can keep it to level score you know up to with 20 25 minutes to go we got plenty of of good players to come on to make the team even stronger barcelona didn't they didn't have too many players coming on where the team would have really improved. Yeah, but then I think uh, later on that game we were obviously pushing, we were making the changes. We never really, I think, got the chances to equalise again because that is what needed to then go on top to change the momentum. But instead of doing that, they scored three one. Right, and that was game over. Right, there's, there's a question there from a United fan. Is it true there was a major inquest, stroke bust up in the United dressing room at half time at Wembley because of the way the first half had gone and Barcelona were looking like they were almost uncontrollable? Yeah, well, there's always arguments between players. I do remember there was something going on because a little bit of a discussion between players about the first goal and, and it rumbled on a little bit. And, and, and I, I felt we didn't really maximise and refocus them on, listen, boys, this is what really needs to happen now. Let's, you know, we knew what we're getting through. This is, this is the review quickly of the first half. This is what's happened. Now let's look forward. And, and, and because of that, I thought, mm, you know, I'm not too sure whether everybody is back in the refocus what has happened, which is which is a shame because it cost us in the first 15 minutes. What was the feeling like at the end of it? For, uh, also, I want to ask you, and somebody else is asking there, there's uh, Terry on, on uh, the, the Twitter feed. Was there a nervousness that night in the United dressing room because of the potential of Messi, because what Messi might be able to do? No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say nervousness because we believed in our own qualities. We had plenty of qualities of ourselves and, and, and we, we, we did prepare well. We did... We, we we knew the sort of things he can throw at you, so we tried to nullify that. But uh, how it, did you try? What provision did you make? Because, like I said, it's it's tactically in terms of what do you do? Are you going to follow players? You you know, in 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 terms of the things. See, Messi is obviously he's got a low a low thing of gravity. He yeah. dribbles, he goes, but you have to understand what sort of solutions are he's looking for. 
She always, if he runs, he always runs mostly in the same direction and links with players and little one-twos and giving goes. But he's so quick, so quick with his feet. You can, like I said, you can prepare what you like, but that's what world-class can do to you. How, what was he feeling like at the end? Deflated, because I still I think at the back of that season, we still won the league and it's, you know, and you go away by losing the last game um, and everybody goes away on a break. But I, me personally as well, I always felt very deflated. It, it, it really sucks the energy out of you and you have to really, uh, you know, take some time to, to get the energy back for, uh, for the season after. Yeah, there's Philip in Suffolk. Uh, Jim, ask Rennie, did he ever have a disagreement with Sir Alex about tactics? And if so, who came out on top? So was there ever a moment that you said... This is what I think we should do. This is this this should be the the game plan. I think the players should go about it this way. Does Sir Alex ever come in and say, I'm not so sure about that? I wouldn't call them disagreements. They're all ongoing discussions. You know, and it was always between the manager, myself and Mick Phelan, you know, and we threw everything at each other and say, What about this? What do you think about this? And then eventually we came out, yeah, that is that's the best idea. Sir Alex was always the one eventually that would decide, yeah, this is where we're going for. Yeah. But he was a really good listener. A really good listener. I think at the time I worked so closely with Simon Wells. He was our video analyst. He was absolutely top-notch. And we would always prepare the best that we could. And we would always make sure that we had the best possible arguments of saying, if we come up in these games, because our management was all about manage three games ahead, Jim, because the games were thick and fast. So we would always look ahead. Are we playing in Europe there? Who we think? Who, who's the manager thinking of playing? So who's the game on Wednesday when we play away to Stoke? And who are we playing here? against Aston Villa at home, you know, and that is how we managed it. And we always had to make sure, yeah, that we planned ahead because I knew the manager was going to use players. He was rotating, etc. And and it worked well, but it was never disagreements. It was always discussions where eventually we always agreed to what we think was best. For sure, discussions, solutions. Um, in, in spite of Pep winning on, the, on those occasions, you would still hold to, to what you said earlier. Yeah, Sir Alex, the greatest managerial legacy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do believe that. I do believe that he wished that he would have won one more Champions League. I do. I do think that, and I mm. think he. Uh, you know, we all know. You know, go back to the moment. You know, when we played Real Madrid at home, and when Nani could send off, and that was actually the season. And I described that in the book as well. That you know, he knew that he was that was his last season. We didn't. And when that happened, I've never seen Old Trafford going silent. Seventy-six thousand players, people, just. Everybody was gobsmacked. But that moment there, when Sir Alex went down to the touchline of the fourth official, he somewhere must have known this is going to slip slip away because of a referee decision. And he was in his last season. And he was in his last season. We didn't know that. In hindsight, I think, yeah, now I know how why he reacted <laughs> yeah. like that. Obviously, yeah. we were trying because we had a really good game. We played a fantastic game. I remember it. And just in that in that in that slot where mm. there was mm. this sort of disruption, you know, they got on top, they they scored two one and yeah. then uh, eventually got away with it. He was seething with the referee, wasn't he? I think it was a Turkish referee. He was seething with yeah, him. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> rightly so. And now, in hindsight, I know exactly why. You know Ronaldo inside out. You coached him. One, two, three, four questions coming in. They're all the same. <laughs> Who's better, Ronaldo or Messi? <laughs> I know I get this question all the time. And uh, for me, because I've never worked with Messi, you know, I, you know I, I'm not going to say who's better because I feel these guys have given us so much over the last 15 years. We are so... So privileged to have those two world-class players playing uh, for us in the last 15 years, what they've done with the goals, what they've achieved and everything. And it's a discussion that I think does a, does a, does a lot of disrespect to a lot of other world-class players. I think the world-class 
tack has been used too soon, too easy at times because I think I've written it in the book. I think, look at Pele, what he has done, and he's won three World Cups. I always say, put him on a hat on the table and all the rest, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, Cruyff, Beckenbauer, you know, Child and all of them can just What, you put Pele ahead of, of Messi and Ronaldo? I, yeah, because he was the front winner. Everything, everything, yeah. everything that these boys done afterwards, you know, you just have to look at Pele and what he's done. He's done it before them. Sure. You know, and, and that is that is a great feat. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Uh, is this unkind to you, Rennie? I'm going to ask it anyway. Mark, a Middlesbrough fan. Jim, ask Rennie, is there any truth in the talk that he was very close to becoming part of Michael Carrick's management team at Middlesbrough recently? Any truth in it? Yes, there is, there is some truth in it because Michael sounded me out when he was uh, looking into the Middlesbrough job. Unfortunately, I was already, uh, you know, very full committed to the Australian job and we were working towards the World Cup, so I had a lot of jobs in my hands, so it never yeah. worked out. Never worked out. He's doing well anyway at Middlesbrough, isn't he? Very, very close to going up Middlesbrough last season. Uh, Rennie with me all the way through uh, and until one o'clock. Many of you getting in touch. Most of you want uh, answers to United questions. We'll try and get through as many as we can. Rennie, you would hear this morning, Arsenal, Gabriel Jesus is going to miss the start of the season after having an operation on the same knee that he injured in December. That original injury saw him miss more than three months last season. Is Arsenal's title race dented before it's even begun? No, I, I don't think so. But it's a big loss because he's... Um... He's, he's an important player, you know. Ateta knew him from time working with him at Manchester City, and he knew what he was bringing to to Arsenal. And um, you know, it's it's when you lose, you know, one of your best players, then you have to obviously a club of the size of Arsenal have to cater for that. Obviously, they're bringing in Kai Havertz, you know, maybe is and this Martinelli as well. So they they should be they should be covered. But it is definitely a big loss for them. Yeah, how do you rate Havertz? I, here in London, mm. I bump into Arsenal fans. Some of them say, "Brilliant! I'm so glad we've got him." Others say, "Why have we got Havertz?" Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's sort of blowing hot and cold. And I, I followed him obviously when he was doing really, really well back in Germany in the Bundesliga, and that's not an easy league to play. And he did really, really well. For some reason, he has showed snippets of his talent and the quality that he has. But in my opinion, he's he's not an out and out goal scorer. I think a lot of fans will say, "What what what is he actually? What is his best position?" Is he a ten? Is he a nine? Is he does he you know come from the white? So that is, I think, a lot. But you know, maybe you never know. He, he, he changed landscapes. Arsenal play in a different way, and he might slot in perfectly. You don't know. Do you think Arsenal will go close again this season? I expect him to do well again. I mean, a lot of Arsenal fans, including Luke, you know, they, <laughs> producer Luke, you know, yeah, they're looking are, at you. They they are worried about ah now we pushed above our weight and all that. No, you, it is clear progress that Arteta and his staff has established for a long period of time throughout that league. What they missed was the experience of being up there and, and challenging for the title, the experienced players that could guide him through. But all that experience now will set him in good stat. Those players will be very, very excited to go again. And within the few signings that he brought, especially with Declan Rice, he made a good signing. And they kept most of their players, apart from losing Jesus uh, now. But they are still in, in a good stat, so expect them to do well. What about Liverpool? Um, last night, pre-season, they lost 4-3 to Bayern Munich. They're leaking goals. Klopp wasn't happy. What kind of Liverpool are we going to see this season? I think still you've got to be a good season, a good, because it's going to be a very important season for Liverpool on the back of last year, what has happened when they stuttered and they really you know, fell out of the top four challenge. That is not Liverpool-like on the club. You know, Liverpool on the club in the best shape of form, they were a force 
They were wonderful to watch, exciting. There was, you know, uh, goals galore. So they want to get back there as quick as they can. So I have to, obviously, there's work to do about that defensive record, what I had in pre-season. But, I, 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 you know, they will come good. OK. Mm. There, there, there are so many questions coming your way about Robin Van Persie. I'm going to do it now. I'm, going, <laughs> I'm just going to do it now. Get yourself a mouthful of tea and give me an answer to this. United fans, many of them asking this morning, Jim, ask Rennie, how did we get Van Persie out of Arsenal? Arsenal fans are asking, how the heck did they get Van Persie? How did you get Van Persie? It was, I think it was in January, and I got a call from Robin's agent, which, I knew, which I knew, yeah. And he just said, listen, Rene, you know, things are at, at Arsenal are stalling with Robin. Robin has got certain expectations of the club. He wants to take the club forward, and they're not seeing the right investments coming in, so he's not really happy. He's not going to extend this contract. He likes to stay in England in the Premier League and, and, and predominantly there's only one club he wants to play for. He wants to play for Manchester United and also he wants to play for Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> so that's a bit of a statement and it says, well, the only thing I can do is ask Sir Alex and see what he thinks, you know. So I walked in his office and I said, I've got this phone call and, you know, Robin from Percy is interested in joining us. What do you think? Asked, ah, too old, 27 at the time, <laughs> bit of an injury sort of record. And I said, I sort of will look into that. He says, I wouldn't dismiss it straight away, but, you know, discuss it with David Gill and, and, and see what you think. I I will speak a little bit more to see how genuine it is because sometimes players throw things up like that to sort of strengthen the position for a new contract. So we didn't want that. Anyway, we found out that it was very, very genuine and we knew it was not going to be easy, obviously because of Arsenal and, and Wenger being there and losing maybe one of our best players. And But we thought of thought, in high, well, we had more discussions and we said, listen, this team, what we've got, needs something. They need, they need a spark. <clears throat> so what I did, I sort of asked some of the senior players during training and say, listen, if we could get, let's say, Motheridge from Percy or this guy, who, who would you pick? What do you think? Who would, who would make us better? And most of them all said, well, Robin would be, well, Robin would be brilliant. Really? Who did you ask? Some players. <laughs> no, senior players okay. you can, All right. you can, yeah you can you can, yeah, you yeah. can figure that out I yourself but anyway that was it and, and, and basically it was a little bit of a, a different turn of strategy because we've agreed to mainly sign players on the 23 younger players that were upcoming you know and, and had years Robin was a being you can bring him in you would know he was going to perform. You know he's going to score goals. He's not going to, going to produce. And he was obviously very, very committed to come into a club where he was so desperate to win the Premier League. So it wasn't an easy transfer, but this is how it came about. It was genuine from both from both sides, and eventually he joined us, and he had a, an unbelievable season. It was a great season. I, I didn't know until now, and this is in the book, incidentally, I didn't know that this had the hand of Rennie Moonstein in it, because you get the first approach. Well, yeah, sort of, but I, I do felt, I felt from the beginning as well that he would suit us. The way the player, the way that we wanted to play and, you know, and the way that, that Robin was and, and obviously when I got to know him even better, it was, you know, it was very crystal clear that he was a good fit for us. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. 
Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Just want to thank this man to my right, Mr. Rennie Mullenstein, for being with me uh, this morning since 10 o'clock. You enjoyed it? Loved it. Yeah, Rennie, fantastic. Once again, um, Rennie's book next week comes out, United Sir Alex and me about Rennie. Rennie Mullenstein's time as first team coach at uh, Manchester United and all the stories that were associated with the football club at that time. Uh, That and a whole lot more, I have to say. Rennie, so many people asking me to ask you, what was it like working with a, a young Cristiano? And are you amazed at what he became and where he is now? No, not amazed at all. Um, and I think he, he deserves every accolade in that respect, what he's achieved, because it's incredible. But when he came to Manchester United as a, as a, young, as a young player, 18, 19, um, he was this unfulfilled potential that we got. I remember Sir Alex Ferguson saying to me, that's a great project for you, René. I, I was fortunate at one point because uh, at, at one particular league, I think it was season two seven two eight, he uh, he was suspended from the previous season. So we had a lot of contact time in that early part of so the season when Man United was playing away. So <clears throat> I was still working with him on an individual basis or with a few players. And one thing that I identified was I wanted to become more clinical in, in scoring goals. And I also wanted to bring him from awareness to sort of understanding and what I mean by that is is that people that have clear aims and targets in their life are so much more successful than others that don't and I wanted to make him aware of that so I asked him I says how many goals have you scored last season he said 23 he says I assume you want to be better next year or this year this season so what is your next goal and he said 30 so what do you think I said 40 he said that's nearly double I said yeah but we haven't really worked on it and this is what we're going to do. So you stick with your 30 and I stick with my 40. Now, what I did is off the pitch was that I showed him clips of strikers that we had at United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Sheringham, Finestroy, Cole, York. Showed them all goals. Three-minute video. Have a look at the video and see. tell me what you think. Looked at all the goals. Blah, blah. What do you see? Didn't really answer. <clears throat> I said, have a look at it again. Now closely and tell me what you see. And then he said, yeah, I can see that the goals mostly are scored within the box. I see that they're all scored with one or two touch, and I see the variety in goals that you score. It says exactly that, and this is exactly what we're going to add to your game. And I said specifically add, because this is one of the biggest coaching things that I've learned over years, Jim. Coaching is all about using the right language. And if you use the word add to players, it's more. They embrace it. They want more. If you say change, players go, whoa, what am I doing wrong? So straight away, you're starting on the wrong foot. So add. 
Add, add to your game. Add to, add your, to game. your game. And with that, I, yeah. I did that with Cristiano by <clears throat> by making him again. Uh, you know, I, 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 I put uh, lines in front of the goal, you know, right in the middle of the goal. That was zone one. I put lines from the post to the edge of the box. That was zone two left, zone two right. And then the zone three going to the byline. Basically, I want him to make aware, where are you in front of the goal? Are you facing the goal? Are you away from the goal? Is there a defender in front of you? Etc. Etc. So it's all been very clarified in the book. But that that particular part about bringing him from awareness and what are my options? And I said to him, "Listen, visualize you have a rucksack when you when you when we do these training sessions. And every time you score and you score a goal, you fill it in your rucksack. And we're going to score a lot of different type of goals. So many that every goal you're going to score in a game, you've already scored it on the training pitch. So the moment that moment comes." You just swiftly have to draw from, oh, I've done that before. Yeah. So your decision-making will be much more clinical and effective. Of course, he goes away and was sensational at Real Madrid. And then Juventus, and then comes back. But of course, we know what happened when he came back. And I really want your honest take on this. Then he spoke to Piers Morgan in here, and this kind of did for him. Since the um, Sarah Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. For example, you have... Uh, interesting point that how the club as Manchester United after suck Ole mm. they buy they bring sport directive Ralph Regnick which is something that nobody understands this guy is, is not even a coach a bigger club like Manchester United bring sport directive surprise not only me but all the world you know nothing changed surprisingly not only the pool the jacuzzi even the gym the kitchen, the chefs, which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons, they stop in a in a time which is is it surprised me a lot. I thought I will see different things, different as I mentioned before, technology, infrastructure, but unfortunately we see many things that I'm used to see when I was twenty, twenty one, twenty three. So surprised me a lot. He surprised us a lot when he started trotting that out. So he, he kind of ran off at the mouth a bit about Manchester United as he saw it. Was he unprofessional doing that? Um, well, I think when you when you do things like that, I don't think there's necessarily any winners in this case. But the reason, obviously, you need to think about the reason behind it because it it is filled with uh, unhappiness, frustration to some extent. That's why he's... Yeah, I need to get this off my chest. I can't just walk out the door and, and leave it as it is. And he chose to do this interview with, with Piers Morgan. And the, the, the thing is here is what he highlights is exactly what, again, Rio said before as well, lack of direction, lack of progress, lack of investment and all these things. And he's highlighting that. Is it the right thing to do? I'm not sure, um, but that's everybody's opinion. He's, he's done it, he's aired it, it is, it is off his chest and he's moved on. And that's how he is. I, I, th- I got to know Cristiano and I have to say, he's a person with a high level of integrity. He really is. And, and, and I find it really, really sad to see him leave in the way that he did. And I really hope, you know, the relationship with obviously the Manchester United fans over time will be re-established because of what he's done. And do not forget, just before he left, that season before, he scored 24 goals. He was a goal scorer. He was the top goal scorer. But I can imagine that another manager comes in and he doesn't really see, you know, the way that he fits in. Then be honest about it and say, listen, there's not really a role to play. And that is, I think, where they could have nipped it in the butt. Right. Right there and then. Right, right. Um, in the very short time we've got left, uh, Harry Maguire, is it time for him to move on, do you think? Yep. 
Yeah, and I don't know why, because at the end of the day, I think it's very clear the writing has been on the wall for a bit. Every player, every professional, he wants to play. He needs to play. He's still in, 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 in Gareth Southgate's ideas about for, for playing for England and he has been so I find it really strange what has happened there because if I would be Harry I would be I would I would be definitely knocking on Eric's door listen you know you, I'm not really in your plans please let me go we now know that get into next season under Ten Hag Bruno Fernandes will be the captain is he the right choice for Eric he is and I know exactly why because what Eric is looking for Bruno is a player that plays every game even if they play against uh, an under 12 team he will be playing so he can rely on him yeah, he brings bags of energy and intensity, and that is everything that Eric is looking for. How is he as a captain uh, within the dressing room? I wouldn't know. I, I do think we have also seen uh, sometimes a little bit, you know, moments of a little bit of petulance last year. I think he needs to get rid of that if you're a captain, because when things are not going, you know, the right way for you, that's when you have to step up. That's when you have to calm things down. That's when you gather the troops around you and say, this is how we're going to go about it. Would you so take I, him aside before the start of the new season and say, Bruno, one thing you've got to do for me? Yeah, I would, because it's not it's just people have to learn. They need to know the responsibilities what is actually what a captain do? Not just going into the halfway circle and toss the coin and say, we play in that way. No, it's much more than that. Here's the best to last. Um, <laughs> what chance do you give United of winning the Premier League this upcoming season? Well, the good thing with the Premier League, Jim, is that everybody starts with nil games and nil points. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's easy said. But listen, there is definitely... You know the way that that uh, Pep Guardiola and, and City are in in that position, but still, what you need to have as the team like Manchester United, you must have the belief and the conviction. We're going to punch a hole in this, and we need to get off to a good start, and we need to keep pace. That's the thing. And I know that Eric, in some of his comments, he wants to sort of manage expectations and temper it, which is fine mm. because you first need to see how we coming, how are we coming out of the blocks. Your one hundred percent essential download, outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.